0: The most important thing, I think, is to find something that works for you because we tend to overcomplicate menu planning. There are a million products out there. There's a million different menu plan printables. There's a million different methods and a million different services, and it's all very overwhelming. But all you need to find is the little thing that works for you right now.
1: Welcome to Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology, a series of interviews with real-life homeschool moms, dads, and other educators on all sorts of topics that affect our lives as homeschool parents. I'm Amy Sloan, a second-generation homeschool mom of five, and I am so delighted that you are here. Here on Homeschool Conversations, we'll discuss educational philosophy, family life, And more. Come chat with us. Hi friends, today I am joined by Stephanie Jenkins from CheapskateCook.com where she empowers us to save money and eat healthy. She shares recipes, grocery hacks, tutorials, and daily life motivation to guard our health and our budget. You can follow her on Instagram for real-life silliness and practical inspiration, and I can speak personally. I enjoy following her there very much. And you can also go to her website and learn how you can feed a family of four real food for $60 a week. So we're going to be talking about all things food, but first, Steph, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your kind of history with homeschooling?
0: Okay. So... Me and homeschooling go way back. (laughs) My parents were both educators and when I was four, my mom was like, hey, I heard about this weird thing and I think I want to try it. And so I was actually homeschooled from the very beginning and my husband was also through a homeschool thing. (laughs) So homeschooling is kind of a, a big thing in our lives and when it came to our own kids, it was a very natural decision. We both feel like we got a lot of really good opportunities and really good benefits from homeschooling, and we didn't really see any negatives in it, so, so it was just an easy decision for our kids, and we wanted to give them the same opportunities and maybe just a little bit more.
1: So I'm also a second-generation homeschooler, as is my (laughs) husband. So I was homeschooled all the way through graduation, and my husband was homeschooled through seventh grade. And we have a similar experience. Um, We kind of just assumed we both wanted to homeschool before we even had children. We both had very positive experiences. And um, it's really fun to take the second generation, um, not that you're changing everything from your own experience, but taking all the wonderful things that I loved about my own education and getting now to put my own kind of twist on it. So Mm -hmm. I would love to hear from your perspective, you know, how you and your family have grown and developed your homeschool as a family, um, you know, and how that kind of second generation perspective, has that affected your homeschool at all?
0: Yeah, I think it has and the biggest way that I think that it affects my homeschooling methods and my approach to homeschooling is that I know that it works and I'm not afraid of it. So while I know a lot of first time homeschooling families who didn't grow up in homeschooling or even it, it's a very scary decision and you can feel like you've got a lot on your shoulders and you just you don't know how this all works, and I can tell you that it does work. Um, my parents were first-generation homeschoolers, and it does work. Your your children will be smart. They will be, you know, they will be. Uh, I don't know what do, what do you want to call it? Just good people, right? <laughs> that's that's what our hope is. They can for be normal, right? <laughs> good, healthy members of society, <laughs> and that definitely fuels my homeschooling approach. I'm a very chill homeschooler. While I do like to be very efficient and we're very productive and we're, we're not unschoolers per se, but I do feel very relaxed and I feel like there's this pressure that, that's kind of, like for example, our family has gone through a lot of different seasons in our children's lives. Um, When my kids were in first grade and preschool and a baby, my husband was in a horrible accident, and so then I was his full-time caregiver for several years, and we still homeschooled through all of that because because I had grown up with this mindset of like this is what is important in homeschooling and you can let the rest go and we learned how to be very flexible with our expectations for ourselves and for our kids and for their education and and that's the beauty of homeschooling is that you can make it work for your family and whatever your family is going through in that season so I know a lot of people right now are stressed out trying to make their families fit into these molds that maybe weren't their first choice for their family. But the reality is you can take this concept of homeschooling and make it work for your family so that it becomes something wonderful for your family, not something that you have to force yourself into or try to figure out exactly how it works. Like you're, you're the boss. You get to make the rules and decide how it works.
1: Yes. Oh, that is something I love about homeschooling. And I can relate to what you're saying as a second generation approach. I, you know, I kind of grew up as a rebel. We were doing this crazy outside yeah. the box thing. And so now as a homeschool mom, um, I feel that same sense of freedom where I don't have to fit into a particular box, even a particular homeschool method box. Like I feel the freedom to do what's going to work best for our family to take principles and then apply them in our own kind of unique way. And that's really fun. That's my favorite part of homeschooling, I think.
0: Yeah, right. So many people ask us, well, uh, all of them? Yes, all the homeschool approaches. Yeah, it, oh, just, it just depends. I mean, but which subject? Which month? <laughs> yes, which year? Yeah. Well, you mentioned, you know,
1: there are a lot of families, I think, that are kind of suddenly and un- potentially unexpectedly, well, definitely unexpectedly, um, beginning homeschooling this fall. And over this spring, as there were all these families staying home full-time with all the kids for the first time, one thing I saw a lot was, oh my goodness, these children are eating all the time. They're just <laughs> always hungry. And it was kind of a bit of a surprise for some families. And of course, long-time homeschool moms have this running joke about homeschool kids being hobbits because they need that constant feeding in order to do their math, apparently. <laughs> so, You know how can we feed our children good quality food, not having them fill up on junk, and still run? You know our homeschools, and a lot of us are working as well. These sort of full, busy lives. So that's a big question. I thought if we could start maybe with actually what's hardest for me is the selfishly let's start here, like with the snack and lunch situation, because I have five kids, five different ages, and they all want different snacks at different times, and Help me out with the snack situation.
0: (laughs) So for snacks, we developed a snack rule a couple years ago, and it it made snacks a non-issue for us. It made snacks a very easy thing. In our family and especially because I work from home too and my husband works full-time and we, you know we got the homeschooling and all of that like I can't make your homemade granola bars and I can't make all of your like little homemade cute little muffins and all of that stuff I love cooking I love making that kind of thing but but I can't do all of that and um the stuff that is easy to buy that has good quality ingredients and stuff it's really expensive and Like my kids can eat a lot of granola bars. (laughs) They can eat a lot of healthy, expensive granola bars, which is good and bad. So we made a rule a couple of years ago where if you want a snack between meals, it has to be a fruit, vegetable, nut, or like dried fruit, raisin. And that's it. Like, I mean, you can interpret that all different ways. If you want to have like celery and peanut butter and raisins for ants on a log, you can go ahead and do that. You can have apples and peanut butter. You can have, uh, you can have a smoothie because that's basically fruit and add some almond milk. It's like nuts, right? You know, there's different ways that kids can interpret that. But that snack rule does a couple of things. First, it's for the question, am I really hungry? because when they're, like think about this, if you have a box of cookies or something in the pantry, like that's what they're hungry for, for snack. And you know how hungry they are for that box of cookies? Like all the time, they're hungry. They want that snack all the time. But if their snack choice is carrots, (laughs) they're hungry for those a lot less. (laughs) So you really have hungry. food, right, exactly. They have to ask themselves, am I really hungry for these carrots? Am I really hungry for this apple? And then, uh, so you're doing two things. You are giving them good food because they're eating fruits, veggies, nuts, and raisins. And then you're also helping them listen to their bodies so they can decide like, nah, I think I was just in the mood for the cookies, but we're going to have those later. So I'm I'm, I'm not that hungry. I can wait until lunch. So that's how we approach snacks. Remind me how old
1: your children are now. Is this the same kind of, are they fixing these snacks themselves? They're able to get it all independently? Has that changed from when you needed to kind of help them?
0: Well, so we really like the Montessori method of homeschooling and setting up your home and your life and raising kids. And that encourages independence in your kids. So right now, my kids are 10, 9, and 5. So they are older and they are perfectly capable of making themselves a smoothie or slicing some vegetables or whatever, they can make their own snacks. But even when they were little, like three, five, four, they still, they knew where the apples were, they knew where the bananas were, they knew where the raisins were, and they could go and get those. And we made sure that those were nice, like on low shelves for them and so they had access to them and they could get them whenever they wanted so there was that independence but then again it was also like apples do i really want this apple nah (laughs) i just wanted the cookies
1: (laughs) yes i can relate to that my little five-year-old will be so hungry for certain things but as soon as i tell him oh well you can have a fruit or a vegetable he's like i'll just wait
0: (laughs) yeah exactly they're they're not that hungry yes Well, what about lunches? Do you
1: guys plan lunches? Like on a meal plan, are you fixing the lunches ahead of time or are your children also independently making their own lunches?
0: I think it depends on the month, honestly. The thing with homeschooling, and I just think family life in general, is that you have a plan and it works for a little while and then something changes. Kids get a little bit older, a schedule changes, a sports thing starts, you know, a pandemic happens, something, and you have to change your expectations for the day, and you have to change your routine just a little bit. It doesn't have to be a whole overhaul. So we go through seasons where the kids are in charge of their own lunches, or we go through seasons where lunches are just leftovers, and that's part of our routine, where we'll make a bunch of stuff for dinner, and then leftovers for lunch the next day, and right now we're going through this time where we have some restrictions and food allergies that we're going through and so i'm preparing the meals but we're using like the little meal prep containers so it's like a little it's almost like a little lunchbox for the kids and we're just all working together to fill them up with whatever it is that we're eating that day and then the kids can eat it and when they're done they're full they just put the lid on it put it in the fridge and then when they're hungry later, you know, (laughs) for their snack, then they have lunch left over that they can go and grab. So that's working for us this month, (laughs) but next month it'll probably change. It'll be a little cooler, so we'll probably be doing lots of soups, so I'll just be heating up a pot of soup and we'll have homemade bread or something. It just kind of depends on the season. And I think that's really encouraging to hear because I think sometimes
1: Um, especially certain personalities of us, we can feel like, okay, I need to like learn the right way to do this. I need to have my system. I need to figure it out one time and then everything will go smoothly from, you know, here on out to eternity. (laughs) And that's just not the reality. And just because things suddenly aren't working doesn't mean that you were doing anything wrong or that anything, you know, is, is, yeah, that there's anything bad happening. Like sometimes it just means your season has changed or your children have grown. Or in my family, leftovers used to be a huge part of our life, but now we're a family of seven. You know, my oldest is like six, four. There are no leftovers. We have an entire crock (laughs) crock pot of food. (laughs) So suddenly we're having to, okay, well, I used to assume this particular meal would be dinner and lunch, but now it's just a dinner. So it changes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like you said, that doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong or you're not planning correctly or anything. It's just life changes and we have the privilege of just adjusting with it. We have the freedom to be able to adjust with it and, that's, and that really is a gift. It is, definitely.
1: hey, did you know that you can leave a voice message here for me that might be f- featured on a future episode of Homeschool Conversations? Just head to anchor.fm slash and doxology and click the little message button below the podcast description. You could leave me questions or ideas or thoughts or hey, if you have great tips for homeschool families, I would love to hear them. I look forward to hearing from you. Well, I don't know about you, but by dinner time, I've had a full day of homeschooling and spending all this wonderful time with my children, whom I love, and, um, you know, I'm working, and then it's time for dinner, and they have to eat every single night. I don't understand. Uh, I'm so over it. <laughs> right? I'll like, Just take a day off. Great. So what are some of your strategies or tips for fixing that dinner time conundrum?
0: So there are a couple of different things that we do. One of them is that we have dinner helpers and that means that part of my kids' school chart, goal chart, whatever you want to call it, their list of things that they have to do um, once a week, one of my kids is my dinner helper and they, they all are learning how to cook and so they each have their like little their skills that they can do and so whoever is helping mom with dinner then they come into the kitchen and they are chopping potatoes or mixing salad dressing or washing vegetables or whatever it is that I have to do they get to be the assistant right yay life skills can mark that off on our homeschool chart (laughs) and then that helps us get like good food on the table and it doesn't add you know that much more to my plate. So it's kind of a win-win. The kids are getting good skills and we get that one-on-one time together in the kitchen when no one else is around and it's just me and him. I have three boys, so it's always just me and him. <laughs> and, then, and then that makes it a little more feasible. Um, the other thing that we do is meal prepping. So we do meal prepping and we do something called planned overs. Like you said, it's the leftovers, but what I'll do when I'm cooking like chicken, I won't just cook chicken for that night, I'll cook all the chicken. All of the chicken. And then that way I don't have to cook chicken three times in one week. It's just already made. And so we don't eat a whole lot of meat at our meals simply because that's not super budget friendly. (laughs) And so we found different ways to find meals that we love as a family that make meat more of a side dish or a condiment or whatever you want to call it, and so a batch of chicken will last us a week or a week and a half. The most important thing, I think, is to find something that works for you, because we tend to overcomplicate menu planning. There are a million products out there, there's a million different menu plan printables, there's a million different methods, a million different services, and it's all very overwhelming, but All you need to find is the little thing that works for you right now, because we've already established that what works for you right now isn't going to work for you later on. (laughs) You don't need to just come up with something one time um, that's going to work for forever. Just find something that works for you in the season that you're in. So for me right now, I don't menu plan a whole lot. We have certain foods that we keep in our kitchen, and I know that I can take those foods and i can make a whole bunch of different meals with that food um and that's something that i talk about at cheapskatecook.com it's like 35 ingredients that you can use to make an endless amount of meals it's just 35 ingredients right and then uh, the other idea is to just find a menu planning system that actually works for you there's all these different services out there you can buy you know one of those pre-made menu plans or something so that that way that effort and that stuff is kind of off of your shoulders and so that way you can focus on your homeschooling or you can focus on your kids and you can just you know follow the checklist that you print off on your computer you know download to your phone or something so finding something that works for you right now and just being open to it's not going to look like whoever you're following on Instagram, and that's okay. And it's not going to look like, you know, that lady on YouTube or, the, you know, like your friend who has it all together on Facebook, but in real life, she doesn't have it all together, right? So find something that works for you. And it can be as simple as actually writing out a menu plan or just being like, you know what? I don't need the menu plan right now. I just need to make sure I have chicken and salad and rice or potatoes. And that's it. And that's actually pretty easy to throw together. We just make it too complicated. I am also, I'm also a huge proponent of on your own meals. Like, hey guys, this is a long day. We all worked really hard. Eat whatever you want. We have cereal. We have ice cream. We have salad. We have, you know, you can, you can go ahead and make your own guidelines. You don't probably don't want them to eat ice cream, but we've done it before and that's okay.
1: You know, one of the things that I have found very helpful is just thinking in terms of like some sort of protein and a grain and vegetable. And so I always keep uh, bags of frozen soup veggies in the freezer, actually, because it's Mm -hmm. like already chopped up. It's carrots and corn and okra and potatoes and onions and peas and whatever else Mm -hmm. they put in there. And I can add those to just about anything and make a quick and easy dinner on those days where maybe the thing I thought I was going to do, I'm too tired or I don't feel like making it, or just mm-hmm. to kind of know that I always have that around makes, mm-hmm. it, makes it easier at the end of a long day too.
0: Yeah. I think the main thing is to not think about dinner at dinner time. Thanks. Think about dinner in the morning. If you have a to-do list for that day, add dinner <laughs> to your to-do list in the morning so that you're either... They're taking something out to thaw or you're checking whatever you've got left in the fridge or something like that so that by lunchtime, you know, it's in the crock pot or it's on the stove or it's, you know, thawing on the counter or something like that. And that's going to go a long way towards helping you avoid drive-through or avoid that decision fatigue because your energy levels are a lot higher in the morning than they are when you're hungry for dinner. Right. I mean, and
1: dinner's coming every day, whether you're ready or not. So <laughs> well, I had another question kind of still related to this whole feeding our family thing. You know, a lot of us face budgetary constraints, uh, maybe most of us. And we want to be able to feed our families nutritious, whole foods um, that we make at home without breaking the bank. So what are some strategies where we can still eat healthfully on a budget?
0: So yeah, that's a really good question and the reality is that we want to eat healthy and we want to save money and we don't always know how to do those things at the same time. In fact, they can feel like complete opposites, but there are three things that you have to be willing to do if you want to save money and eat healthy at the same time. And the first is to be flexible because however you're eating now, whether it's not helping you eat healthy or it is not helping you save money, you're going to have to change that a little bit. And so, so that might mean looking at a couple of meatless meals, maybe going meatless one night or a couple of nights a week. That might mean not eating your kid's favorite food all the time. Or that might mean um, being willing to, I don't know, just change change up what you're making because what we're doing right now isn't getting us where we want to go down the road. And sometimes, especially I feel like in America, we're so used to just being able to do whatever we want and whatever we feel like doing that, you know, if you're trying to eat healthy, that means you're not going to be eating all the things that we really want because I really want to eat pizza every single night. You know what I I mean? (laughs) Yeah, like, that's what I want to do. But I also have the responsibility of caring for my body and my family's um, bodies. And so I'm not going to do that. And then we have our budget, and we want to save money. And I would love to eat steak, you know what I mean? And I would love to get delivery pizza (laughs) or whatever. But we're going to have to be flexible. And so adjusting our expectations for what our meals are going to look like will go a long way. And we can get practical and say, well, make, you know, beans and rice and, or learn to um, eat less meat um, at your meals or just limit your meat to one time a day. And there's very practical tips that will go a long way towards helping you save money and eat healthy at the same time. But the core of them is to be flexible, <laughs> learning what you can make with what you already have. So a lot of us waste a lot of food. I mean, a lot of food goes to waste in the fridge, just leftovers that nobody ate, or that one thing that we bought on a whim, and then we put the rest of it in the fridge, and then it just dies in the back of the fridge somewhere, or vegetables that we thought we were going to eat this week, and so we put them in the drawer, and then the next thing we know, they're all slimy and gross, and And so sometimes you just have to get really creative to use what you have so that you're avoiding that food waste. Because if you think about it, the food that goes bad in our fridge, it's just your money that's sitting there rotting (laughs) in your fridge. And you might as well just, you know, throw a couple dollar bills into the garbage disposal and save the hassle of going to the grocery store, right? That's what we're doing. And so I, somebody challenged me once a long time ago, and they said, if you are consistently throwing food away, your grocery budget is probably too big because you're not feeling the squeeze of, Oh, I should do something with this because I, because I'm out of grocery money or because I, you know, you just, you're, you're feeling like, eh, I can just, we'll just let it rot. And that's, that's your money. You deserve to keep that money or to put it towards what you really care about. So, you want to be flexible, you want to learn how to get creative, and then you have to be willing to try new things. And that can be being willing to learn how to cook dry beans. Lots of people are overwhelmed by that idea, but they're so easy, like so easy and so delicious. And so, if you're just willing to learn just a couple of little skills, you, it can go a long way to saving you money. I love that. I think
1: it's just. Taking instead of it being like, okay, here's my list of five things you need to do to save money. Instead, you're really talking about a mindset shift where mm-hmm. you're talking about being flexible and being willing to learn new things. I that's, I think so often we're looking for the checklist or the quick and easy fix or the five rules to follow. And a lot of times it's just really changing the way we're thinking about our own life or the way that we just have gotten in ruts and patterns of behavior without actually being purposeful
0: about it. So, yeah. I yeah. That. And I, I love checklists and I love practical to do to do's and stuff. I have a whole website full of them. Yeah. <laughs> but when it really comes down to it, they all center on those three things. So sometimes it's a matter of keeping it really simple and just finding the meals that your family likes that are budget friendly and that you can kind of fit into your routine. Or sometimes you just need to have someone else do the thinking for you. And so there are a ton of menu planning services out there. And on my website, I actually have a budget friendly real food menu plan that gives you a grocery list and the exact recipes that you can make. Every day and it takes into account like gluten and dairy allergies because we dealt with those for a long time and it's so hard to find (laughs) budget-friendly stuff that um, just budget-friendly menu plans that handle that and so our budget-friendly menu plan is all about just helping you eat healthy and save money and also um, avoiding that decision fatigue, trying to figure out exactly what recipes are going to work that help you save money and eat healthy. Here they are. You just print the paper and you can just make it and, and all the thinking's done for you.
1: Oh, I love that. So often I just need someone else to do the thinking. I can do the, the nitty-gritty, but someone else, please take away the decision fatigue.
0: Right, right.
1: Yeah. So start with the mindset shift here in this episode and then head over to cheapskatecook.com for all the practical, fantastic, um, helpful resources over there. Yes. (laughs) Well, before we close, I'm asking all of my guests this fall the same question and I would love to hear
0: what you are reading lately. Oh, yay. Cause you just assume homeschool moms love to read, right?
1: I mean, it doesn't have to be good, like, profound literature or something. I have no expectations. It can be like,
0: I'm reading Twitter. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm really lucky because I'm reading some smart stuff right now. <laughs> um, I actually brought them down because I wanted to sh- show you. Uh, I'm reading this book, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, by Samin Nosrat, uh, it's all about cooking.
1: <laughs> my thirteen-year-old kind of daughter first- got oh, Sorry, my thirteen-year-old daughter got that for her birthday a couple
0: weeks ago. It's so fun. I love this book so much, especially if you feel like you're just not a good cook. <laughs> then she takes these four elements and and just teaches you how to really hone them. So I I love cooking, and um, I don't know if you weren't someone who loved cooking. I don't know if this would be something that you'd enjoy reading, (laughs) but it is one of my favorite books um, so far. I really like it. Um, The other thing that I am reading is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. Um, It's just really good. It's full of really challenging thoughts, and it focuses a lot on some of the um, mindset that comes into our culture um, that it's just it's just not healthy emotionally, and it's not healthy long term for our families. And um, especially if we're talking to a Christian audience, it's it might look biblical on the outside, but when you really dig into it, then it's 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 not it's not what um, it was originally intended to be. And it's it's very challenging, um, but I really really love it. And then the other thing that I'm reading is on my Kindle, so. I don't have the physical copy, but it's called Your Blue Flame by Jennifer Fulweiler. And it is all about finding what you really love and figuring out how to share it with the people around you. So I think especially as moms and homeschool moms, then we kind of get stuck in like serving other people. And she kind of teaches you how to serve other people the way that you were made to. All
1: right, my final question for you. We mentioned this earlier that there are all these you know, new homeschool families joining this adventure this fall. If you were speaking to a new homeschool family, what one piece of advice would you give them?
0: Um, you know what? We said this a couple of times, but the plan that you have right now is not going to work, <laughs> especially as a new homeschool parent because you really don't know what you are getting into, right? You've done all the reading, you've researched it, you've thought about it, you've played through all the scenarios, and so you have this tentative idea, um, but you need to be willing to be flexible with it and to adjust to how it works for your personality, how it works for your children, and and when I say adjust, I don't mean like starting at square one or anything like that. But just but just know that this isn't a set in stone kind of a thing. This is a this is just life. And it's learning to love the kids that you're with and learning to love them well and learning to take care of them and take care of yourself. And so it's okay if you feel like after a couple of weeks, then you have to adjust things because that's just the name of the game. Anyone who's been homeschooling for any amount of time knows that you are constantly adjusting things and you're making them better and better. And, and you can do it. Like, Amy and I are both living proof that you can homeschool your kids and then they turn out halfway decent, right? Yep. We're okay. <laughs> yeah. I like me, I guess that's <laughs> what matters. <laughs>
1: I was talking to Cindy Rollins in an earlier episode of this season, and she was talking about how um, education is a living thing. So Mm -hmm. it's not something that you should be able to just like plug in and, you know, stick the right button or, you know, push the right button at the right time. Education is living. And so that really, that concept really struck me and Mm -hmm. gave me encouragement too, because man, I, I know I graduated homeschooling. I, my oldest son is in 10th grade. Like I've been doing this a long time and still this fall, you know, new challenges. It's a whole new set of challenges that we're facing. And to just remember that that is normal and that's okay, um, to continue put, you know, persevering in that living education and see where Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, where can people find you all around the internet?
0: Um, anywhere. Cheapskatecook. It's cheapskatecook.com channel called Cheapskate Cook. I'm at Cheapskate Cook on Instagram and I have a Facebook page as well if you're more of a Facebook person. But we do constantly doing stories. We do recipe tutorials. Um, Of course you can read all of the recipes and stuff on um, cheapskatecook.com and all the videos are there as well.
1: Great and I will have all that linked up in the show notes as well as some other resources that you have shared with us. And those will be found at humilityanddoxology.com. Thanks so much for joining us and talking with us today, Steph. This has been really fun. Thanks for listening in on this week's Homeschool Conversation. For show notes and links to all the resources we discussed, head to humilityanddoxology.com slash homeschool dash conversations. And if these episodes are an encouragement to you, would you take a moment to leave a rating and review and to share with your friends? I am so thankful that you are here on this adventure with me. Let's repent of our constant striving, relish the joy of learning, and rest in the work of Christ on our behalf. Stand fast, my friends.